is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, my name is Jason. And my name is Chris. And this is The Talking Dead, episode number 581, recorded Thursday, April 7th, 2022. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. I hope you're having a fine week. Jason, I hope you're having a fine week, too. How's it going? Uh, super fine. Super fine, super cool, super cool, super good. Awesome. Uh, Perfect. That, that sounds pretty good. Adequate. Totally, totally adequate. How about you? Oh, yeah, totally adequate as well. And I decided that I can no longer get on here and complain about, oh, you know, I'm tired or whatever, because, you know, you and I, we, we generally decide to or plan to start recording this about 9 p.m., which yep. is, you know, well past all the evening stuff that you, we got to do. And usually your son is... <laughs> going in bed by then for you maybe uh, i mean not, not always not, i mean not I, always. I understand it takes some time to get him asleep sometimes but uh you know we start we decide to start at about nine o'clock and then uh we get on the call around nine and we sit here for 12 minutes and talk about lego <laughs> yeah, no, and it's... we we could have been 12 minutes into the podcast already but no here we are later on going later than usual yeah we are definitely not all business Oh, no, 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 no. There's very little business, really. We chit and or chat while we uh, get ready to go. But uh, yeah, and, you know, complaining about being tired and stuff. Uh, maybe, you know, you and I are getting up there in age, or I am at least. Well, uh, you're, you're but, in your 50s and I'm in my late I'm, 40s. <laughs> fucking 50s. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, being tired and run down and a little bit sore, let's just say that that's the baseline. Like that's just, that's just. You know, the, the bare minimum, we can assume that at all times. Yeah, par for the course. Par for the course, that's it. That's the, uh, that's normal. And as Dave always said, even when we were in our late 20s, early 30s, uh, Dave said, uh, normal gets worse as time goes on. That's right. You just, it's very true. <laughs> you learn to accept things and it just gets worse, yeah. Yep, so this is normal. All right. Always well, being tired, always being ready to fall asleep at the drop of a hat. Uh, but yeah. Other than that, having a great week. Amazing. Amazing. Well, here's to normal. Let's hear it for normal. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We're, we are going to talk about the listener feedback, of course, that we have received from everybody. And as always, I'll just throw it out there that uh, the last episode of The Walking Dead, episode number 15, it got 1.67 million viewers. So up a tiny bit, but pretty much holding steady. Cool, 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 cool. Very cool. All and right. You said that we got, uh, e you know, emails and phone calls from everybody. Uh, I don't think that's true. I mean, not everybody. We, yeah, because that would take forever. Even if we, you know, if we got an email from everybody, uh, that's a lot of emails. It is. But you know what? As we go through that, uh, through it this, uh, this time, this episode, <laughs> I think you're going to see that we got more calls than ever. The, that's good. The ratio of calls to emails is tipping towards call. And it was always heavily emailed before. Uh, and, you know, just a little secret or, or a little look into the inside of the way I, you know, plan this podcast is I must admit, I do tend to favor the calls because, you know, podcast, audio, it's uh, calls are great. And not only that, but I do favor new 
callers as well who've never called before, or maybe who haven't called in a long time. If you listen regularly, you'll know that you know, lots of the same people call and email every week, which is amazing. But as soon as we get someone new, that's always really fun too. And uh, I love to put new voices on the show. So uh, just throwing that out there. Just so you know. Yeah, just so you know. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, with that in mind, let's get started. Listener feedback. And we are indeed going to start with a call from Lindsay in New Zealand. Hi, Chris and Jason. Lindsay from New Zealand. Yes, it has been a while. I uh, hope you guys are keeping safe on that side. Um, I guess my big thing tonight, which everybody's going to mention, is the F-bomb that Daryl drops with such enthusiasm and delivery and how it just re-engaged me back into the characters that were in front of me on the screen at the time. Um, that scene in itself um, just summed up the whole season for me. Um, that has set the tone. Um, like I don't actually need the final episode of this season or this uh, this uh, part of the season, um, as I know that like the the last stretch is just going to be full on like all out war again. And um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the characters that don't have any spin offs how they actually venture off into the Walking Dead world if it will be as Walking Dead. <laughs> or if they will be left to run the Commonwealth at the end, um, much like how the comic book almost ended um, in its entirety. Everybody just kind of had a, a mission and a goal, right? Um, so, yeah, anyway, keep up the good work. Um, there'll be enough spin-off shows to still be listening to you, which I'm grateful for, um, and that we don't get to lose you guys all together at the end of this. So <laughs> please keep doing your podcasts. Absolutely love them. Thanks, guys. Oh, thank you, Lindsay. So a lot of people want to talk about the F-bomb, Jason, and we have yeah. more coming on that topic. Uh, and, you know, Lindsay was kind of saying it, it was almost invigorating to hear it in a way, right? Now, do you think that's because it's realistic and like, in real life, people speak like that and people swear and in tense and stressful situations, you know, vulgarity comes out. Or do you think it's because you don't really hear that on TV that often? And even on this show, you don't really hear that kind of thing. So when it does happen, it really jumps out at you. I think maybe it's both. Yeah. I mean, a good, a good time to F-bomb can be very engaging. Uh, even in real life, if you swear your fool head off every second of every day, then it gets to be old hat and you start to get annoyed with someone who's doing that. But if you just time it right and if you're exasperated in some way and you just you put in a swear, whether it's an F-bomb or not, uh, it it makes a point and it makes, yep. a, it makes a statement and uh, can be very entertaining. And it's, it's, all, it's also a, a sign... For me, anyway, it's a sign that you're getting comfortable with somebody. Like, I know that uh, I'm well ingrained in a project when the client starts feeling comfortable enough to say shit on a call. <laughs> right. Right? So I, however, do not do that because I'm the consummate professional and I would not swear on a work-related call. But on this show, I don't give a shit. Clearly. So, but, uh, so... Yes, I think maybe it's both. I mean, I think maybe we don't hear it on TV, especially broadcast television, mm -hmm. uh, very often. And 
it is realistic. People swear all the time, especially when they're exasperated. And if you're in the zombie apocalypse and the social order has been completely messed up, you uh, don't need to. You don't need to hold back. No. Who are you holding back for? Ain't no broods left. No. You might as well not. You might as well let her rip. Let her rip. You know. So there you go. I enjoyed hearing it. I hope they do more as the show, you know, winds down towards the end here. Uh, a couple of more. I don't want to, and it's like the, the uh, you know, my uh, drum teacher, the the racist Jim McComb used to say, if you accent everything, you accent nothing. Uh-huh. So if you, like, if you swear your full head off, it's not going to make a point anymore. It's just going to be, oh, it's that swearing show. Right. Like Deadwood right, right, was, right. right? But it had its all, also its own charm. I, uh, and there was a lot of swearing in there. Yeah, and and uh, what's her name on Dexter too? Who you've brought up before? You know she could swear oh, pretty yeah. well, and she was like a she was a poet. Yeah, it, it never it never got old on that show though. Maybe because they they just created such interesting vulgar use word word usements that it was just always amazing. Oh, and they baked it into the character too, right? Deb right. was uh, it was just who Deb was, and she couldn't help herself, and it was it was nice. I had a friend. That uh, that I used to drum with in in the pipe band, uh, and he was a poet. With the vulgarity that would come out of his mouth was just <laughs> a delight to listen to on a daily basis. Yeah, uh, he was amazing. Uh, yeah, and a really good drummer too. And now he lives in BC and is a is a linesman. He works. I'm not sure what it's called, but he works on uh, uh, the, fixing the top of radio towers. Ooh, cool. That sounds like yeah. a dangerous and exciting job. Yeah, he loves it. Nice. All righty. Well, thank you, Lindsay, for that call. All right. Next, we have another call, this time from Emma in Leeds. Hey, up, guys. It's Emma from Leeds. I am pleased to say that we finally had a swear. Um, I practically cheered when Daryl said fucking in this episode. It was brilliant. Um, now, I'm not going to lie. I am a big fan of swearing. And whilst I don't expect every other word to be a swear word, but, man, it just makes so much more of an impact. Um, I remember you guys talking about the scene where Rick says you're screwing with the wrong people back in like season four, I think it was, end of season four. Um, so I Googled it for comparison um, and actually found the uncensored version and it is a million times better. Um, so it's a bit late in the game now, but come on AMC, let's just have an F-bomb per episode from now on. Eight more episodes, eight more F-bombs, is that really that bad? Um, and just in case anyone missed it, wants to hear it or just misses Rick's voice um, I'm going to ever so kindly record the audio for both Rick and Daryl scenes at the end of my message. Cheers guys fucking A So unless you want to die for nothing come to drop the guns before something really fucking bad happens They're going to feel pretty stupid when they find out Find out what? Bye. How cool was that? It was pretty cool. You know, I mean, those those are I, those are two of the best delivered f bombs I can think of. And I know there's a a recency bias here, certainly with the Daryl one. But listening to Rick say that and the build up of that pulsating music, and even the way uh, Abraham goes, 
find out what you know i i thought it was amazing it's just so good and i wish they had broadcast it that way originally because it is better it absolutely is better and i have to disagree with you slightly uh those that, that was uh, four of the best f-bombs uh that i've heard in a long time uh when you start say fucking like uh I, even that was bad but uh, emma the way you said it uh, with with the accent or what I consider an accent being yeah. you know from this side of the place the planet place uh, I I love swearing in other accents so uh, four of the best f bombs that I've heard in quite some time yeah fair enough fair enough it is uh, always fun to hear accents and things like that so there'll be more on this podcast as we go here we go with another call from Cat in Nova Scotia. Hi guys, this is Kat from Nova Scotia calling in with feedback for the most recent episode of The Walking Dead. I guess this episode is what we would consider a penultimate episode of this second, third of the final season. Um, And as penultimate episodes often do, I found that this was like almost better than a finale the build-up to what they're going to leave us with, which I imagine might be a cliffhanger next week. It just, it's setting so many things up, and I loved it. My number one favorite moment by far of the episode was Daryl's F-bomb. It made me so happy. It seemed so right coming from him, and I'm just so glad that this finally happened. I think we have all been waiting a long time to hear that word come out of Daryl's mouth. And I had a thought about your feelings about how there was no repercussions for Daryl pointing the gun at Hornsby. And my theory on that is there is no way that Hornsby is letting that go. I think it is just part of his sick, sociopathic game that he's playing with everyone. Those eyes of his, he really has great psychopath, sociopath eyes, that Lance Hornsby. And he did not just let this go. It is somehow woven into his sick plan. And, you know, maybe he's hiring Leah to assassinate Daryl. Just a thought. And something that I thought was funny, all this talk about um, Hornsby um, having some resemblance to Better Call Saul. I've never seen the show myself, but um, on AMC, they have commercials for Better Call Saul. Um, And right after a scene with Hornsby came that commercial and I was like, oh, I haven't seen that show, but I do see the resemblance. Anyways, thank you for your podcast. Cannot wait to hear what others feedback is for this episode. Take care. Bye. Amazing. Thanks, Kat. So uh, again, it just blows me away how much joy one use of the word fuck can bring so many people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's it's absolutely incredible. It was her favorite moment absolutely of the whole episode, which I think a lot of people would agree with that. But what about Hornsby not letting Daryl's actions of pointing the gun out of him go do you think there will be repercussions because we were wondering about that on monday i sure hope so uh you know it would be it would be weird because you know daryl's in uniform out of uniform in uniform partially out of uniform in uniform takes his helmet off 
points his gun at the uh, the leader of his group. Uh, hopefully, there's some repercussions instead of him just you know doing whatever the hell he wants, what, you know, any old time. Yeah, and I think as Cat was saying, like Hornsby is just a sociopath at least and he's got a lot of irons in the fire and he's got a lot of things going on i think so he very likely does have something up his sleeve that is going to be bad for daryl you know what i mean and whether we see it coming or not i don't know but uh it might not even be that sort of obvious and official whatever the repercussions are it might be just something really sneaky and uh detrimental to daryl that 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 Hornsby pulls off here. I don't know, but there's going to be something. Well, here's the thing about sociopaths. Uh, and this is my personal understanding and not a, uh, you know, any kind of based in actual, you know, realistic diagnosis, but narcissistic sociopaths or narcissistic psychopaths, they're all about themselves. Mm -hmm. They only care about themselves. Uh, if it benefits them, they're going to do it. They don't consider other people having, internal lives like they're just right. other objects around them yep. uh, that are to be used to achieve their own goals uh revenge is not high up on that list right it, because unless it directly benefits them going after someone to get revenge is not really a sociopathic thing to do mm. i think uh so if hornsby sees that punishing Daryl is going to gain him something, he'll absolutely do it because there's no downside. Uh, but you know, if, uh, if it's not going to gain him anything, if you're not within the eye of Sauron, you've moved that eye off, you know, off of Daryl, Daryl doesn't exist anymore. So it doesn't matter. Hmm. So it's, it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword in that way. And I've known people like that, right? When they're paying attention to you, it's absolutely you know, basking in the glow of their attention is a wonderful thing. But as soon as their friggin' eye of Sauron moves on to something else, you don't fucking exist anymore. And right. you're left out in the cold, right? There's, and these people are awful as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> so I think that uh, if he is a sociopath, uh, you know, he might not care. Uh, you know, once the, once the moment is gone, he might care in the moment. But once he starts thinking about something else, Daryl doesn't exist until he needs them for something. I guess not, but Daryl does exist in his relationship with Maggie, right? And Hornsby seems to be pretty focused on that right now or, or what she's doing and, you know, his assumption that she was involved in the, the Riverbend assault or whatever we want to call it. So Daryl's definitely part of that whole thing and that might keep him in Hornsby's focus a little bit more. And if there's a way for him to use him or manipulate him to, I don't know, get what he wants out of Maggie, that's going to, that's yeah. going to happen, I imagine, but we'll see. Could be. So, you know, as far as uh, repercussions go, I think that it's, you know, in, if everybody was a, you know, a rational adult, there would be repercussions. Uh, but not everybody's a rational adult in this, uh, uh, in this situation. So no, you know, it might never come up again. It's true. But, and, and to, just to clarify, like, I don't think there is going to be any official, like military repercussions, right? Like it's, it's not Mercer wasn't there and, uh, who knows if he even is, he even would care anymore, 
but like there's not going to be any official like you broke the laws of the military. If there are repercussions from this, it's going to be strictly like below board manipulative type things that Hornsby is inflicting on him. So yep, it could be bad. It could be nothing. <laughs> it could be nothing. Yeah, Who knows? Exactly. And yeah. probably- and You never can tell. No, you can't tell. Uh, and, you know, more on the Better Call Saul comparison as we move on here too, I think, because Kat mentioned that as well. Oh, yeah. And Kat, uh, since you haven't seen Better Call Saul, I need you to stop the podcast and go watch it. <laughs> you know, you can come back and uh, continue with the podcast after you've watched uh, everything that's available at the moment. Start at the beginning, watch it all, get caught up. It's amazing. You, yeah, you don't, uh, yeah, start at the beginning because the first episode will, uh, it'll suck you right in, right? Yeah. Uh, so, like, there's no worry about, you know, continuing on from there. It's the, the second, uh, you're, yeah, within five minutes of watching the first episode. you. And if you're not, all in, then I, I don't understand you. And, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Sorry. Just, be, just be, can't help you. <laughs> I just can't help you. There's no helping you. No. All right. Uh, y'all, it's now a call from Paul. What's up boys. This is Paul in Rochester, New York. A big fan of the podcast and I appreciate everything you guys do. And I just had a couple small notes. One, one is small. The other one's a little more uh, Walking Dead related. The first one, though, has to do with Daryl using the word fuck on television. And you guys were talking so much about the ridiculousness of editing in or out the word fuck and having to, you know, blur lips if somebody says fuck, etc., etc. And what I find to be ridiculous, and I don't know how it is in Canada or overseas, but here in the U.S., I find it absolutely crazy that they can show a human being's throat being slit like they did at the end of the last episode, yet the word fuck, they have to seriously censor. How ass backwards is that? The the amount of violence they can show, but then they can't say fuck. Like, it's just ridiculous. The actual more Walking Dead note that I wanted to bring up is this Hornsby guy being oddly resourceful for someone who's been pampered. And the reason I say he's been pampered is because we're led to believe that he's been with the Miltons for years, right? Even pre-pandemic, or pre-pandemic, you can see where my head's at. Even pre-apocalypse. He's been with the uh, Miltons since before then. Yet, he's good with a gun. We've seen him do headshots on, on zombies. He knows how to fix a car. He's not afraid. I mean, he's ballsy as shit, right? Like, he gets in front of guns like it's nothing... Uh, at the end of the last episode where he says, hey, before you kill us, just let me pitch my thing. You know, he's got a weird confidence to him, but he's also got some swag. The dude can actually back it up a little bit. And so I'm wondering, when did he become resourceful? And we saw it with Pamela, too, where Pamela was able to pull off a headshot on a zombie. Were they just very well trained? Or was there a period of time that they actually spent on the road or out in the wilderness on their own where they had to become resourceful and become hard like our heroes? So anyway, guys, love the podcast. Thank you so much for uh, everything you guys do. And uh, the only bad thing about this week being the season finale is the fact that no more Talking Dead podcasts for a few months. So love you guys. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Paul. First of all, just because The Walking Dead is going on hiatus after this week's episode doesn't mean there's going to be no more podcasts from us for a while. There's all kinds of Walking Dead stuff still going on. So unless you 
ignore all that, which is fair, and you might, uh, there's going to be stuff to listen to from us, I think. Yeah, we don't go on hiatus. No, we certainly don't. Uh, and, and honestly, the Walking Dead universe does not go on hiatus anymore. Um, there is enough coming up over the next, the rest of the spring and the summer and well into the future. So stick around and hang out with us. It's fun. Uh, if we can go back to the beginning of his call though, about censoring the word fuck and how they can show horrible violence and, but you know, one F bomb is like a big deal. Uh, I fully agree. A hundred percent agree. I would, I would way rather my kids watch a show where there's bad language than there is terrible violence, (laughs) you know, just because like, it's just the way it is. It's weird that they've kind of got that backwards on TV, in my opinion. Well, it, it, yeah, I absolutely agree. But, you know, I, you know, my son is five. I'm not, I don't want him watching anything with bad language or violence or, you know, o- o- overly violent cartoon violence. V- very much depends on the age of the kid. I, I fully get that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, even nudity is a bit weird on uh, television and movies now, like uh, to get a, you know, a proper PG rating, you can only show like what, one and a half boobs. And you get one F-bomb, uh, you know, they just have uh, very strict rules. It's probably not one and a half boobs, but, yeah. you, you know. Uh, so it's, and, you know, they even break it down further. It's like you can show a boob, but you can't show a sex act. Yes. Right? So there's a difference is, you know, uh, did you know that there are bare breasts in uh, Airplane? The movie Airplane? Yeah, of course. I've watched that movie dozens of times. Okay, see, (laughs) I'm aware of the boob content of movies from the late 70s and early 80s, believe me. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, it's because, you know, they could get away with that stuff because it was absolutely not sexual in nature. It was just boobs on screen, and that's funny, right? Right. So they they used it for comedy. Uh, So... Anyway, uh, yeah, yeah, the they, censor, censorship sorry. is weird. They cut from the jiggling jello to the jiggling breasts in Airplane. That's right. It's yeah. funny stuff. <laughs> Airplane's uh, a good movie. Oh, it's amazing. It, the the um the jokes per minute, like the gags per minute, in that in that movie are is is extremely high. A very high rate of gags. Yeah, and I put it on kind of frequently because I think I love it. It's a super funny movie. But anyways, I, I'm with you. Like there's a certain amount of nudity that can be included when it is non-sexual. And I think that actually applies to using a word like uh, fuck as well. You know, if it is an exclamation, like what Daryl said, something really fucking bad, it's more allowed than if you use that term in a sexual way. So, yeah. You know, I don't think The Walking Dead would get away with it if he had used it in another uh, in another way, but because it's more just an exclamation to make a point, then it's all right. But again, like the violence and explicit sex, you know, I'm not keen on my kids watching that, even though they're teenagers, uh, maybe because they're teenagers, I don't know. But the language in general, I'm not too concerned about. Like, I know they've heard it all. I know they say things they use some of that language amongst their friends like i i know i did when i was 15 years old holy geez um but you know this terrible violence again i feel like they could watch it and i could talk with them about it and it would be fine but not all uh, that's not always the case so it's weird well 
maybe, you know, not to get too deep on the, the censorship thing, but one of the things I appreciate about IMDb is when uh, I'm looking for, uh, you know, a rating for something that I have not seen that I wanted to watch with my son. Yeah. IMDb not only goes into the ratings, but it tells you exactly what the hell happened in that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, at this minute mark, they talk about uh, this situation, which can be frightening for, uh, you know, young people and stuff. So it, it explicitly spells out exactly what's going on. And I appreciate that. Yeah. Especially if it's something that I haven't seen. If it's something I've seen, I'm fine. Um, so, you know, watching YouTube with, uh, with him, cause there's some YouTube stuff that he really likes. Yeah. Uh, you really have to watch it with him with your finger on the friggin' trigger to stop it because you never <laughs> know what's going to happen on YouTube, right? It's unregulated content. There's so maybe the, 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 the censorship is not necessarily there to prevent, uh, stuff from happening within the show, like nudity, violence, uh, language. It's just to give you a bar to say that, okay, this show doesn't have language in it. Mm-hmm. Like doesn't have bad language in it. So at least I know that it doesn't have bad language in it. If there were no uh, ratings given to television shows uh, or movies, uh, if we did away with the ratings, like sure, there's lots of violence and stuff. So if we got rid of the ratings, we wouldn't know. It would just be like, it would be a free for all in all television shows. You'd be watching some kind of uh, uh, comedy, like How I Met Your Mother, and all of a sudden uh, there's a sex scene or <laughs> they're swearing their full head off. She's like, I was watching this with my 12 year old yeah. for crying out loud. Yeah. Uh, so maybe we need the, the censorship to, to set that kind of bar. But uh, I agree that there is a disconnect between the level of violence in this show and the level of language in this show. Yeah. And, and the it's level not- of nudity. There's no, there's, you know, hardly any nudity either. Hardly any. And I mean, that's we, not, get, we, we, get a, we get a glorious bare chest every now and again, but that's it. Yes, we do. And that's not uncommon, right? All the shows have this problem, really. They, they, they prioritize the, uh, like censoring or restricting the language over anything else. Um, Common Sense Media is another good site for that kind of thing. If you're looking oh, for a way to evaluate content to show your kids. So check Super. that out. Uh, and, and finally, Paul was also talking about Hornsby and how actually resourceful he is and, and sort of good with weapons and, uh, you know, a high level of confidence and things like that. So he was kind of wondering if maybe Hornsby had to go through some hard times and learn some shit <laughs> at the beginning of the apocalypse rather than always be stuck in this comfortable Commonwealth life where, you know, if you were, you think you'd get out in the out in the wild with zombies and just be a disaster but doesn't seem to be the case so i don't think we'll ever find out much more about his past but maybe well, early on there was a time when he had to survive he did say that he came from three generations of gearheads right as far as fixing the truck goes yeah. so that's that's got to be before the apocalypse you don't pick that shit up uh after the apocalypse sure but learn knowing how to repair a truck engine is a little different than surviving in the wilderness with no you know heat no clothes yeah. no food and zombies no toilet around. paper yeah <laughs> yeah uh so yeah and i absolutely agree like if i uh you know i'm i definitely don't come from gearheads no. my car is blue and if i pop the hood i could point to what's probably the engine <laughs> like that's probably it right there. I'm no. not entirely sure that might be a something that is, you know, ancillary to the engine itself, but I'm pretty sure that that big hunk of aluminum right there is the engine. I mean, you can, you can fill up your own windshield washer fluid, right? 
yeah, that's got a, it's got a picture of it on the on the little tube thing. Can you check your own oil? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. So there you well, go. I, I worked at a, I did work at a gas station for uh, briefly oh. for a number of months. So I was checking oil and stuff. But uh, yeah. yeah. Why would I check my own? Uh, yeah. Anyway. I'm just saying, uh, like, you can pull out a dipstick and put it back in. Yeah, you wipe it off and stick it back in and yeah, yeah. take it out again. Yeah, right. you can, you, yeah, I, I got, I do that on the lawnmower, right? I check the oil on the lawnmower. I, oh, good I, for more you. often than I do it in the car because the car I just take in and, you know, get it fixed. And yeah. if it's running out of oil, the car starts to yell at me, hey, fuckhead, get some oil. <laughs> get some oil. Do something about it. <laughs> All right. Well, that's good. I'm glad you can at least do that. Okay, let's keep moving here. Uh, I think it's my turn. This is a call from the Shane Train in Ireland. There's things, lads. Just a little bit of feedback on the last episode. Trust. Really enjoyed this one. Now, a bit of a theory here with Lance. It may, I would hope, that this is the way they're going with it. But if it doesn't, it's just going to make me sound like a madman. Anyway, I think Lance knows everything that's going on. At first, I thought he was like one of the resistance fighters. He's going to... He was one of the good guys fighting from the inside. But then, after the... Um, what's his eyebrows scene where his girlfriend turns and switches side. I think he's now a Hans Gruber-esque bad guy. He's got a plan within a plan with his select group of highly trained lads to do his bidding. They'll do whatever he wants. Assassinate people, whack people off. I don't know. Whatever he wants them to do, they'll do it. Um, highly skilled anyway. I think every time you see him, every time he's in a scene with a character, I think he's pulling strings. He's attaching strings, he knows how to manipulate everybody, everything's part of his grand plan. Uh, when he sat down with Maggie and he had the coin, gold on the outside, crap on the inside, basically his commonwealth. I think he left it there for her to pick up on. And then he also said something that she didn't like and he said, oh no, I've lost you now. So he knew how to get her not to agree with it. Um he's Aaron on side obviously Aaron needs the Commonwealth he now has Gabe involved with Aaron because he knew the two, he'd go with Aaron to help the guys in the apartments um, he seems to be with Daryl he seems to be finding out his pressure points at the minute what's important to him um, I reckon I even reckon that he's he's manipulating Carol I know we all think Carol's doing the inside job and she's doing what, I usually, what she usually does but I think Lance is on to her I think he knows exactly what she's doing. He now knows that uh, the king is important to her. So that's her weak spot, I reckon. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, at least I hope this is what happens anyway. Even the assassin guy, he, he seemed to know how to manipulate him. What buttons to press? He had the whiskey there. Did He, he knew he was an alcoholic. He knew the whiskey was going to tempt him. That was going to send him on the, on the downward sli slide. Get them to do his bidding. Anyway, love this episode. Thought it was really intense. Anyway, all the best, guys. Hope I wasn't rambling too much and made a little bit of sense. Take care. Good luck. Amazing. Thank you, Shane Train. Uh, so Lance, he knows everything. He is in on everything, Jason. He's manipulating everybody. I think Shane might be onto something. I think maybe uh, the Shane Train has a point. He does. I mean, uh. Lance is going to assassinate people or whack people off one or the other. Yeah. You gotta, yeah. You know, when you, uh, when you get highly skilled people to go and whack people off, uh, <laughs> you know, they get whacked off. Yes, they do. They absolutely do. <laughs> the, the thing that, uh, uh, Shane said that 
most sort of uh, jumped out at me was when he was talking about Lance's conversation with Maggie and he showed her that coin, you know, that was just gold on the outside and shit on the inside, representation of the Commonwealth. Um, but the idea that uh, Lance was purposefully manipulating Maggie to not join the Commonwealth, I think was really, really interesting. And if yeah. he's doing that, like he's got some motive, you know, he's working to some motive um, to have her not join and in his, in whatever his best interest is to have her not come, you know, I'm not making sense anymore, but um, I just think that was like a complete reversal of what we all thought was going on in that scene. He's trying to convince her to come on board, but maybe he wasn't for some reason. Yep. Shane Train, you're an evil genius. Evil genius. So, uh, yeah, very, very cool. Good stuff. And I can't wait to, I just can't wait to find out how it all plays out with Lance, right? He's, he seems to be one of the most evil, evil's not the word, but like subtly evil characters we've ever seen, you know? Manipulative. Yeah, I guess so. But uh, omniscient. Uh, yeah, he's got the, he's got the dragon true sight. Within a certain radius of uh, of his person, he knows exactly what's going on. Oh, that's very handy. Yeah, it doesn't matter what spells you have that hide who you are, what you're doing. Invisibility doesn't work. Uh, nothing. If you're there and you have intent to do that dragon harm, he can fucking see you. So uh, be wary. Be wary. Exactly. All right. Next, we have our first email of the evening. We have uh, Bev from Brixham. 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 Brixham, I think. All right. We did this last time. Someday I'll learn. <laughs> uh, Bev writes, uh, that was a quieter episode, but very tense. I'm feeling very nervous about the king and princess characters who are settled, content, and are in love, uh, and they're heading for a fall. Yeah. You know, sometimes when people uh, seem to be having it good, having things going well for them is when things end up not going so well. Yeah. Ezekiel has had his cancer surgery and he appears to be on the mend and he's created a barn hospital for people that is helping them. It's all going too well for him. And now I'm a little bit worried too. Yep. There, uh, you know, he might be on the chopping block. He, uh, God, I hope not. Yeah. Anyways. Well, thank you, Bev, for that. I do hope that you know, he doesn't get killed off right away, but might happen. Yeah, I don't like things that, uh, that are too nice. Like, uh, in my, in, in my work, uh, you know, as we do development, I do not like things that work the first time. No. If we, if you build something and you run it and it fucking works, it's like, man, you must've missed something huge. Right. Right. So f failure, uh, is required. <laughs> Right. You don't trust it if it works the first time. Yeah. Yeah. No, you absolutely need to fail like a whole bunch of times and then have it eventually work. And then, then you know, it actually works. <laughs> you either know it actually works or you're just so beat down and tired of working on it. You're like, <laughs> finally, I don't care if there's anything wrong with this. It works. <laughs> Fuck you. That's not a bug. That's a feature. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Uh, next we've got a call from James. Hey, Chris and Jason. First time, long time. I love the podcast. My name's James Dwyer, and I'm actually the new Patreon member that you guys couldn't pronounce the funky name for. Um, I thought I had it as my actual name, but it's a nickname my friend gave me back in high school. 
because I love sci-fi. And he combined the old way they used to spell the sci-fi channel with Dwyer. And it got Dwyfi. Well, I'm just calling with a few of my thoughts for the episode. I don't know, I thought Ezekiel having the whole barn surgery, that can't be the most sterile place to have surgery. But nevertheless, he actually got it done. And Nagi, I mean, talk about cementing yourself in trauma, naming her son Herschel, and he's a spitting image of Glenn. I mean, that's got to be rough. The guy, uh, Lance, he does a lot of acting with his eyes, and I think it's amazing. And especially when he was interrogating them on the roof. Like, it, it's just, I love his acting style. And did Eugene really think he was hiding behind the basket of vegetables? I mean, he had the whole thing propped up, oh, like he was peeking over it. And it was just like, hey, he's not kidding anyone. And I was just wondering if when the community says the Saul, uh, the Better Call Saul guy, do they mean Howard Hamlin or Saul Goodman? Because I couldn't figure it out. They both dress like Lance. So, but anyways, I love the podcast and I'll keep listening for as long as you guys do it. And I'll call in next week with my thoughts on the final episode. All right. I hope you guys have a good one. Bye. Amazing. Thanks to Wi-Fi. And uh, that's the name we couldn't is. pronounce on Monday. There it is. Yeah. So it's a, it's a nickname. It's not a name. Perfect. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of n- names are nicknames. I guess so. Yeah. Bob, <laughs> Bill, Will. <laughs> True. Those were all nicknames. They were all part of the, you know, the rhyming slang of uh, way back when, when you had a name like William, it went to, you know, Will and then to Bill. Right. Right. So, uh yeah, it's all Jack for uh, John. Yeah, yeah. Called call him Jack. That's yep. weird. It's all uh, it's all nicknames that just became actual names. So, uh, you know, fifty years from now, maybe. Uh, yeah, I know Dwyfi. He's a great guy. Dwyfi, I love that guy. Yeah, my yeah, dad's my dad's middle name is Edward, and he doesn't. My dad doesn't like his first name, so he he decided to go by Edward, and that became Ed, and then that became Ted, and so my dad's name is Ted. <laughs> yeah. My, my grandma was, uh, is, is a Rebecca, uh, but they, uh, you know, uh, Becky for short, but they couldn't call her Becky because they had a cow named Becky. Ah. So they had to call her Betty. So everybody calls her Betty. There you go. It's funny how these things happen. Uh, James had a bunch of points otherwise though, not so sterile environment for doing surgery in a barn. I had the same thought and oh, yeah. I don't think they're too worried about it. They weren't wearing masks or anything. So, you know, whatever they just get by. Yeah, viruses are not a thing in the zombie apocalypse, I guess. <laughs> no, they're just not a thing. <laughs> Except for the zombie virus, right? Except for that one virus that everybody has. Yeah, yeah. It's so, the only one they're worried about, clearly. Yeah, yeah. Clearly. Uh, anyways, he mentioned Maggie and Lance as well. Lance acting with his eyes. You know, he's... I've never really thought about that because, you know, we had Andy Lincoln and his eye acting, which was just absolutely top-notch. He's been gone for a while, though, so now we have Lance. He does a pretty good job. Um, but really, I wanted to play Dwyfi's call because uh, of the mention of Better Call Saul again at the end, where yep. he's like, do they think Lance looks like Saul Goodman? 
or Howard Hamlin? And I think that's a really good question. Obviously, someone who's never seen Better Call Saul wouldn't know who Howard Hamlin is. But now that I think about it, he kind of reminds me of him more than Saul. Maybe. You know? Uh, who knows? Yeah. I, I don't know. It's He's definitely not Chuck. No, he's not Chuck. And he's or not, Mike. No, definitely not Mike. He's definitely not Kim. He's not Kim? No. no. So I think it might be Howard Hamlin. I think that's the the most resemblance there. Anyways, I can't believe how much we've talked about comparing <laughs> Lance Hornsby <laughs> to various characters on Better Call Saul. It's yeah. weird. All right. Next, we have a call from Monica. Hi, Chris and Jason. This is Monica from Seattle. I had three thoughts that I want to share about trust. First of all is I loved the scene with Lance and Father Gabe and Aaron on the roof. It made me laugh absolutely out loud when Lance uh, recounts this fantastical lie and is like, so is that you're saying that that happened and father Gabe and Aaron just look at each other and goes like, yeah, yeah, uh-huh, totally. That's what about what happened. And they, all the actors did a great job of showing kind of Lance being like, I know you're lying. And father Gabe and Aaron being like, I know, you know, we know, you know, that we're lying, but we're all just going to go through this farce and see where it takes us. Really enjoyed it. The other thing that is actually driving me bonkers is the storyline of Connie being a journalist. What is driving me nuts is, A, I think it's a waste of that character. But also, if you remember in the Halloween episode where uh, I think Carol mentions Connie, weren't you the journalist that took down uh, Pamela Newton's uncle? Um and so it just seems like there's no way if that's what happened, they would put Connie as a journalist again. It's just like asking for Connie to dig stuff up. And with their really extensive kind of intake or immigration process, you know, when they first got there, that they would know, you know, Connie brought down the uncle. So I don't think they'd put her as a journalist at all. It feels like such a continuity error. The other thing is I really wish we got to see Princess and Mercer kind of court. You know, I think we're starting to see where they're feeling kind of rushed with the plots and skipping some stuff that would be really fun for us to see. It went straight from just Princess on Mercer's arm at that uh formal and then all of a sudden we see him in bed and we don't get to see that relationship grow and i think that would have been really fun especially with princess's you know personality kind of tugging with mercy's straight face um yeah so that's kind of my feedback thanks all bye great thanks monica lots going on there in her call um you know i'll just touch on the opening scene where everyone's standing around lying to each other and they're all going i know you know that we know that they know that we know that everyone not is here not telling the truth <laughs> uh yep that's pretty pretty much what was going on but good scene uh you know because it still felt pretty tense and uh i, I enjoyed it now connie being a journalist would the commonwealth really allow this considering the fact that apparently Connie was involved in 
reporting on something relating to Pamela Milton in the before times? Uh, probably not. Probably not. So it's just sort of a convenience that they're doing this now. Like you were a journalist before, you're going to be a journalist now. I guess the Commonwealth knows that this isn't really a free press. So what are they going to do? Just gives Connie something to do. Yeah. But then you give, uh, you know, you give the tools to someone to, that knows how to use them to go and investigate things. Right. Sure. You're curtailing what they're writing, but you're also allowing them to go and investigate things uh, where they know that you will dig and dig and dig until you find something. Yeah. But then not publish it. Uh, maybe you might do your own zine after a while. It's like, <laughs> oh, I have the ability to print things, uh, yep. you know, in a photocopier. So let's make a, let's make an underground zine. They probably feel really safe that there's no internet in this world, but you're right. Let's just print off a flyer and distribute it like the old days. I had a friend, quick aside, sorry. Uh, I had a friend back in uh, Sault Ste. Marie that uh, created an underground zine in the Sioux. Uh, so, you know, Sault Ste. Marie, which everybody called the Sioux, or, and uh, so he called his magazine uh, The Sewer, as it's spelled S-A-U-L-T-E-R. Yep. So it was the, it was the Sewer. That's that was genius. That's pretty good. I like that. Yeah. So he did it every month. Uh, yeah. He printed them himself on a photocopier and distributed them. It was fun. That is fun. Cool. I wonder what his readership was like. I don't know. Who knows? I have no idea. No way to find out either. <laughs> Not even a little bit. I have one copy of one issue and that's it. And that's where he did a, an interview of uh, the band I was in at the time. Ah, cool. Very, very good. Well, here, here's the thing is that he was in the band too. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I could, Fun stuff. Yeah, there you go. Sit around and interview yourself. Uh, what about the Mercer and Princess relationship? It didn't occur to me that they were rushing it, but I think Monica has a really good point that it would have been fun to see that develop a little bit because we have two interesting personalities, especially on Princess's side, and they kind of don't jive very well, or you might think they, they don't, but... Uh, suddenly here we are. And I think she's right. It would have been fun to see that develop a bit, but here we've got not a lot of time left. And so they're kind of rushing through some stuff. I don't know. That makes the assumption that, uh, you know, you have to, uh, the courtship happens before sex. Uh, so, you know, sex might be part of the courtship in this day and age, right? Yeah. It's like, Hey, I kind of like you. Let's find out if we're compatible by, let's start by having sex and then uh, maybe get to know each other after that. If that works out, then, you know, maybe we'll go for a coffee. Yeah. Or, or it reminds me of that, uh, that 80s song or 90s song. I forget who uh, it was by, but the line was, I might like you better if we slept together. I have no idea what that so, is. Yeah. I'm going to have to look that up. Anyway, it's a, it's a song from the early 90s, I think. All right. Well, cool. So what you're saying though, is we still might see some courtship between the two of them. So it, not Absolutely. all hope is lost. Okay. Yeah. That's really good. And, uh, even in, uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, one of the, uh, one of the things Jim Carrey says to Kate Winslet's character or Jim character, Jim Carrey's character says to Kate Winslet's character. Yep. I don't know what their character's names are, but one of the things he accuses her of is he says, uh, uh, you know, sleeping with people is how you get people to like you. Oh, well, so it, it, it's an awful thing to say, mm -hmm. but you know, it's, it's one of those things that you can't just, uh, you know, blindly assume that, uh, that the relationship court, the courtship happens before sex. It might be part of, uh, sex might be part of that ritual now. So maybe the first thing to do is just like, I'm kind of fond of you. 
let's jump into the sack and get to know each other. All right. Well, everyone does it differently, I guess. Uh, yep. All right. Okay, well, let's move on. Who's next? All right, next we have an email from Jen in California. 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 No. California? No, no I think... Uh, that was Stacy, right? We just had a call from Stacy. No, we just did Monica next to Stacy. Oh, then you're up. Okay, then let's do our call from Stacy. <laughs> Sweet. We know what we're doing. It's okay. Hi, Chris. Hi, what's his eyebrows? Just kidding. Hi, Jason. This is Stacy, first time caller from Southern California, calling about the most recent episode of The Walking Dead. What's it called? Merc- Mercer's Muscles or something? I can't remember. <laughs> um, calling because I feel way too invested in this relationship with Mercer and Princess. I love it so much, even though they're both newish characters. I just really love their dynamic together. Love the podcast, guys. Listen to you all the time. Uh, would be really interested to hear what you guys think of Buzz Buzz Yellow Jackets. Love that show, too. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Stacy. Yeah, so I wanted to throw that in after Monica because, you know, it was sort of just reinforcing for her anyways that their relationship is, is great. And uh, I'm into it. I like it, too. And I do hope we see more of it, whether it comes after the sex. Well, it has to come after the sex now, but there's still lots that they can do, I think, which is what you were saying. Absolutely. Yeah, we can uh, We can definitely watch that relationship and enjoy it. Yes, we can. 100%. And as far as Yellow Jackets go, Stacey, I, am, I haven't seen the show. I am dying to watch it, but uh, I don't have any time. So maybe someday we'll watch some Yellow Jackets and talk about it. But uh, I'm afraid I don't think it's going to be in the near future. I have seen uh, Yellow Jackets. Yes. And you liked it? It took, it, it took me a while. Like I, uh, it took me a couple of episodes to get into it. Um, uh, so I wasn't grabbed from the outset, but, uh, overall I did watch the whole thing and I rather enjoyed it. Okay. Well, that's very I don't exciting. Think, I don't think it's one of those things I absolutely loved. I mean, I thought it was okay, but, uh, yeah, it took me a little bit to get into it. All right. Well, I really want to watch it. I've heard many, many good things about that show. So it's on the list. It is on the list. All right. Next we have an email from Jen in California. Spoiler alert, we may have said that before. I didn't hear uh, anything. <laughs> no. Okay. So Jen writes, hey, Officer Mike, maybe don't spill your deepest, darkest secret in the middle of a hallway where just anyone can overhear you. The way they framed the scene between Mercer and Princess, Mercer was off to the left of the screen, and then on the right, you could see the corner of the hallway. That made me so nervous that someone was going to walk around that corner and hear Mercer's confession. I still think the composition of the frame was so unusual that it could potentially foreshadow a flashback of someone listening to them from around the corner. Anyone else find the hallway exchange fishy? Well, I kind of do now, Jen. Uh, the one thing I noticed about that scene is while he was talking, um, we got an over-the-shoulder shot of Princess, but the camera pushed forward a little bit to to take her out of the frame, which I don't think you see very often. Usually conversations like that, it's back and forth over the shoulder to, you know, just go back and forth in the conversation. But for some reason it pushed forward, maybe just to emphasize and focus on uh, what he was saying. But for some reason, I thought it was an unusual camera move and maybe it meant something, but I didn't really think about that. There might be someone hiding around the corner, but now I kind of do. 
Yeah, I didn't think of any, uh, didn't think anything about the framing of the shot in that corner of the hallway, but uh, yeah, that's awfully suspicious now. Right? Because as far as go ahead. Why wouldn't they be in the apartment? I mean, I know he was supposed to be waiting outside her place for him, but like he can do that. They can go inside, have some sex, and then have a meaningful conversation. So, yeah. Why not? Yeah. That that would be great. Uh, and the language of cinema as far as, uh, you know, having two people having a conversation with each other, if they're at odds with each other, they're each in their own individual frame. You shoot from person A, you go to person B, but if they are, uh, you know, uh, simpatico, if they're, uh, you know, a little bit nicer to each other, you'll get the both people in the same frame or they'll be over the shoulder of somebody, but you'll still see them. Right. Right. So we can see that there's a togetherness there. But uh, having that shot, and I don't recall it off the top of my head, uh, where they push in and they remove somebody from the frame, that's kind of at odds with them being, uh, you know, in a relationship, having a meaning, meaningful, intimate conversation. Yeah. It's a bit odd. It, it feels like they were going for both uh, scenarios in this scene, right? They are on the same page and together in concert with each other. Yep. But at the, but also maybe somehow at odds, but I didn't feel it. I didn't feel that from princess, right? She seems extremely understanding and open and willing to, you know, help him through his dark times, which I really yeah. appreciate. I like, I want to see her do that, to be honest. I don't want them to have any conflict for, I just, I just feel like they work together. <laughs> A princess wears her heart on her sleeve, right? Oh, yeah. She's an open book. She is, uh, you know, if she's thinking it, she's saying it. Yeah. Right? So she's very much open. And uh, Mercer, on the other hand, is the complete opposite. Mm-hmm. You know, he uh, he uh, takes his pent-up anger and frustration and doubt uh, and uh, turns it into muscle, apparently. Yeah, that's right. He just turns it all into muscle. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, when you're, when you're anxious, go to the gym. So, uh, it seems like he's been anxious for quite some time. You know what? Glo- gloriously anxious. Yeah. Gloriously anxious. I could use a little bit of that myself. If I took some of my stress and turned it into working out, I'd probably be better off. Yeah. My, my problem is I'm too relaxed at the moment. I'm too, uh, a little too easy going. What I need is some pent up anger, uh-huh. uh, that I need to work off. Okay. Well, or I've talked about this before. What I need is a montage. I need a goddamn montage in my life to just gloss over all the pain and anguish that's involved and just kind of maybe uh eye of the tiger. I could go with uh I could go with that for the montage music or anything by the A team. Mm-hmm. Just uh, you know, friggin' montage over a year. I could lose a year, right? It's not like anything in that year didn't happen. It's just montaged. So, you know, a year later, everything's fine. I am in uh, I'm a peak physical specimen. Yeah. And, uh, I've got eye of the tiger stuck in my head. That's right. You're a peak physical specimen, eye of the tiger, and you learn to speak French or something like that. (laughs) I don't want to, I don't, I don't need another language. Uh, I should learn how to speak French, but you know, I live in a bilingual country. Yeah. Don't speak any other language than this mangled thing that I'm talking right now. Right. Well, neither do I. Or that I mangle at least. (laughs) Right. Uh, All right. Well, let's uh, keep it going. We've got Michael in Ozark, Missouri next. Michael writes, how far away from Riverbend is Hilltop? Hornsby and all the soldiers just took a walk over to Hilltop. How can it be that close? And Maggie and Hilltop not know about the Riverbend people. 
Did that occur to you? They just sort of walked there and were like, it must be just down the street a little bit. Yeah, the world is getting smaller and smaller as as, uh, as we go. So I assume I'm going to have to, you know, this is, you make a very good point, Michael. So uh, the assumption that I'm making at this point is that uh, this universe that they live in is the same universe that we live in, just on the other side of uh, the expansion of the universe. So you know how the universe is expanding since the Big Bang? This is all theory. You know, yeah. it might be turtles all the way down. I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we, we're expanding in the Big Bang. And what happens is, uh, you know, what'll happen? We'll just keep expanding and, and going into nothingness. And eventually every atom will be, you know, light years away from every other atom. And there's nothing in the universe except for those individual atoms. Yep. That could be it, sure. right? Or it could reach an equilibrium and then start to crunch in again. Right. And during that crunch, things, uh, the, everything seems normal, but the universe is contracting and everything's getting slightly smaller. Mm -hmm. So maybe the walking dead universe, uh, is happening in the same universe as us, but on the, uh, in the big crunch instead of the big bang. Sure. So things are getting smaller. So, uh, as time goes on, the distances between things, uh, is a lot smaller and that's what's causing the zombieism because, uh, you know, atoms are working in reverse now. Yeah. That's the only explanation. I think. I think it makes perfect sense. We'll go with that. Yeah. And the only way that could happen, like the universe is expanding, the only way to really make sure that there's going to be a big crunch or to reach an equilibrium is by uh, aliens uh, stealing stars from the past and moving them into their present to add mass to the universe to slow it down. <laughs> okay. Just so you know. <laughs> All right. Well, now I do. I feel like I'm smarter for it. Yeah, those aliens, they're stealing our stars. That's They're weird. stealing them. That's a conspiracy theory. Uh, they're stealing the stars. Hopefully they don't steal, you know, Saul, because, uh, uh, you know, who are you going to call after our, that? Our actual star. Yeah, we need that. Actually, if they, if they steal the goddamn thing, then uh, we wouldn't know for like eight minutes, right? But because then, the, the, well, then gonna, everything goes out, right? I was going to say, then we'd really know, but I'm not sure we would. <laughs> well, we'd, uh, you know, spinning around something that doesn't exist anymore wouldn't happen. So we'd fling off uh, and all the planets would just scatter. We'd be like, everything would be fine because we just kind of start going in a straight line somewhere with no sun and mm -hmm. the the moon would still be there for a while. Uh, but we'd be like, we'd be messed up hard. I get. Let's the, hope that doesn't happen. I get the feeling you've thought a lot about this. I watch a lot of YouTube. <laughs> it's all, <laughs> everything's on YouTube. No, and the taking of the stars is from a science fiction novel I read a long time ago. All right. Just to cite my, you know, vague references. I don't Very remember good. the name of the, the the book, but it was from a sci-fi novel I read in the 80s. I'll bet you somebody out there remembers it. Probably. All right. All right, what the hell's going on here? We have an email from Lewis in Norwich? N Norwich. Okay. Yeah. Oh, Norwich. So it's Norwich, spelt, but Norwich is uh, what he has in brackets. So I assume that that's how it's pronounced. Correct. Awesome. Lewis, thank you for writing in. Lewis writes, uh, just a quick email fr from me this week, zeroing in on a single word from this week's episode, that word being most. In the Canadian standoff with Hornsby Maggie, uh, uh, Maggie, sorry, with Hornsby, Maggie delivers the line, plenty of others have made the mistake threatening my family. Most of them are dead now. There's only one person she's uh, talking about there, right? Uh, and what's the betting he's hiding somewhere not too far away? I just hope he's wearing his shitting pants. 
Yeah, good old Negan and his shitting pants. He is the one guy who's threatened her family, and he's not dead. Uh, so, just I thought an interesting point by Lewis and Norridge there that uh-huh. Negan's still alive, and I think he's going to be for a while. But he did threaten her family, and she doesn't let those people live. Uh, not until Negan, because you know he's going to live, right? And they're going to team up and move to New York. Yeah. Because if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. They're going to get an apartment together and uh, live the good life. Working They're going to make it. Odd jobs. They're going to make it. Making it. Yes, They're they gonna are. Make it. They're going to make it together. They sure are. In the big apple. <laughs> That's right. In the windy apple. In the windy apple. All right. Uh, let's do another call here from Trish. Hey, guys. It's Trish in Boston. Listen, I just wanted to comment on... Um, your concern with Daryl taking his uh, uniform off on the regular, I feel like it's kind of obvious. Clearly the show is trying to make it look as though he's not totally bought in to being part of that army and um, that whole community. But also it seems obvious to me that, you know, Daryl is an outdoorsy man. And you take anybody who gets their fingers dirty and then you try to put them in a, say, tuxedo and they're going to be uncomfortable. You know, the tie is too tight. They can't move with the fabric and whatnot. So I think that's a lot of what it is. He's just like, I can take care of myself without this plastic armor or whatever the heck they're wearing. And it restricts him. So why bother? Probably a little hot, too, and uncomfortable and binds up and gives you a wedgie or something. Anyway, that's my thoughts on that. I figured you might be thinking the same. Okay, talk soon, guys. Thanks, Trish. So yeah, it's just Daryl. He, uh, you can't put Daryl. You can't put lipstick on a pig. You can't put. You can't dress Daryl up in a tux. You can't put Daryl in a corner. No. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, sometimes uh, you just you don't like to get dressed up uh, in regular clothes if you're uh, if you're if you're kind of feeling more relaxedy. Right. And I feel relaxed almost all the time. Uh, and, you know, the other thing is maybe it gives you a wedgie and who wants to wear it then? Yeah. It's the, uniform, the armor that they're wearing. I mean, it's, uh, it's foam plates on top of a onesie. Like, what exactly are they wearing under there? It seems kind of like a stretchy, fabric-y kind of a leotard type thing. It seems like it, but then I don't think Daryl's changing in and out of a leotard every time he puts his armor on. Unitard? Unitard. I think he's just got, like, black pants and a black shirt, and he puts on white and red foam plates over it. I had a friend that wore uh, unitards uh, for a while, and he said they were incredibly comfortable. I mean, I could see it. He's a bit odd. Like, you know, granted, I always thought that was a bit odd for him. I don't know if he's still doing it, but uh, he was big into unitards there for a little while. Or, uh, you know, a good onesie, a good cozy onesie. I could see that too. You know, why not? I'm I'm of the opinion of being comfortable is great. My uh, my goal, I know it's the 7th of April at the moment uh, and it's still a little chilly outside. But my goal right now is to not wear pants until October. And what I mean by that is I want to wear shorts from now until October. Right. If I have to wear pants, I'm going to be upset. Okay. I don't want to go anywhere <laughs> that requires me to wear pants. If I can do that, I did it last summer. Right. I want to do it this summer. 
working from home works for me. I don't have to wear pants when I'm working from home. Mm-hmm. I have, if I go to the office, I got to wear pants. I don't want to wear pants for the rest of the summer. That's my goal. Fair enough. So uh, let alone armor that right. might chafe or a onesie. I don't care how comfortable it is. I do not want to wear a onesie. I like loose clothing. I don't like to feel like things are sucked up against my skin. It drives me crazy. <laughs> okay. I'll keep that in mind <laughs> when, uh, next Christmas when I'm getting you a gift. <laughs> yeah. Moo moo. Think moo moo. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> All right. Very good. You let us know how that goes the rest of this summer. Yeah. I said that uh, about a week and a half ago or a week ago and the next day, the very next day it snowed. Right. That's when we got that snow. It was the day before I said, I don't want to wear pants for the rest of the summer. And the next day I woke my family up by staring at the window going, are you kidding me? Yeah. My wife thought I was mad at her for some reason. No, you're just mad at the no. weather. I'm mad at the weather because now I got to wear pants today. Stupid pants. Stupid pants. All right. <laughs> Who's next? Anyway, you's next. All right. Uh, if you say so. This is a call. The last from- one was Lewis in Norwich. Norwich. Sorry. No, that's not true. The last one was the call from Trish. Ah, son of a bitch. All right, next we have a call from Paul in Sligo. <laughs> Hi, guys. Chris and Jason, thank you for the podcast as usual. It's Paul in Sligo, and I want to talk about Season 11, Episode 15, Trust. Or rather, my lack of it and my issues with it. With trust, that is. The episode, not the emotion. Or the feeling. I trust you guys to deliver a excellent podcast, an excellent podcast every week and will always give me something that I know that I'm going to think about and mull over, disagree with, agree with, and just generally enjoy. I do not trust the Commonwealth military. Right. So your general is a West Point graduate. And that general, who we assume the Pamela Milton, entrusted the training of her military or the Commonwealth military too, didn't actually, or maybe he tried his best, but he didn't get across the training that he got at West Point. I am sure, absolutely sure, that West Point training does not involve getting shot in the foot and then lying on the ground without trying to make some sort of combat effort to help your your uh, buddies. doesn't happen. I also don't believe that A group, even a small group like that, surrounding a tent would only come up from one side. While watching Leah, they watch her go into the tent and nobody thought to go around the back to flank her in case there was another um, exit to that tent. They had plenty of time. They They could have set up a perimeter before they actually engaged with her. But never mind. They're a rabble. At one point, Lance Hornsby, who nobody could trust, also says, uh, talks about the fact that the Riverbend people, the benders, they managed to take out his armoured soldiers. And he actually makes a point of saying, my armoured troopers. They're as bad as stormtroopers. Their armour is rubbish and they're a rabble. They can't march. They wear goggles and masks when it's actually hazardous to do so. I know, and, and having said all that, why does Lance Hornsby trust Daryl Dixon? Why is he allowing Daryl Dixon to just do whatever he wants? If you're a trooper in the Commonwealth military and you're looking at Daryl Dixon, you've got to be saying to yourself, what 
the hell is going on with this dude? He doesn't have to wear armor. He doesn't have to do anything, anything the rest of us do. And he gets to point guns at us and the superior officers. I don't trust Daryl Dixon. Well, I do, but if I was a common trooper, I wouldn't. Yeah. Thanks, guys. As usual, the podcast is absolutely brilliant. I hope you can hear this because the wind is howling behind me. Thanks, Paul. We did indeed hear it. Paul's got trust issues with the show and who knows what else. Uh, But terrible soldiers, Jason. Terrible, terrible soldiers. They don't check the back of the tent. They, they, They get shot in the foot and fall down. And are useless, which, hey, I would fall down and useless if I, be useless if I was shot in the foot. But as you were saying on Monday, like these are soldiers and they shouldn't be like that. Probably shouldn't be. Yeah. But that uh, the open flap in the back of the tent, that was a lost leader. What uh, actually happened was uh, she crawled out through a tunnel that she made uh, underneath. Oh, really? Did you see yeah. the big tunnel hole? I assumed that there was a tunnel hole because uh, any, any soldier that's coming up on, uh, you know, a tent would probably be, uh, and it, you know, it was obviously a pup tent too. It's not like a, a domed plastic tent that you get at, uh, you know, whatever store that you buy tents at. Uh, the tent store. <laughs> the tent store. Yeah. I'm thinking Sale and uh, MEC, but those are both Canadian, yeah? So, I don't know. Uh, so you buy tents at the tent store, and uh, they're not plastic tents. Like this was an actual, um, you know, like a pup tent, so it obviously – from the structure of the tent was uh, had flaps on both ends and uh, the ability to tunnel out. So I assume that the back of the flap uh, was just a lost leader and that they did surround the tent as proper soldiers should, uh, except that she tunneled out. Uh, she built an escape tunnel into her tent uh, to be able to get out because the whole thing was just theater, right? She leaned her weapon up against the, uh, the tree, which uh, she is a trained soldier. She would never, ever, ever, ever do, uh, except that if it was a fake weapon or not a fake weapon, but not her real weapon that was stashed in the tunnel under the tent. So the tent is a lost leader. Uh, it's just a, uh, a ruse. Okay. I assume because that's the only way this would work. Right. And then she was also using, um, Sleepy time bullets. It's like that sleepy time tea. Uh-huh. But when you shoot somebody, uh, no matter where you shoot them, uh, they take a nap. I see. All right. Or these are just terrible soldiers. All around. All around. Yeah. Every one of them is a terrible soldier. Yeah. Uh, even Daryl, really. Like he's just terrible. Oh, he's the worst. Terrible he's in a different worst. way. Yeah. And he's, yeah. And you're, you're absolutely right, Paul. He's, uh, you know, if the, the other soldiers, wouldn't trust him at all he's worse than maverick from top gun uh he's just he's uh, unreliable he's a you know he's a he's a hotshot cowboy does whatever he wants he buzzes the tower he gets away with it how can you trust a person like that iceman was right oh my god man's the top he's the top gun hashtag iceman was right you should get that trending when the new top gun movie comes out soon uh, yeah, I have to watch Top Gun again. It's been uh, a couple of decades since I've seen it. Oh, I love Top Gun. You want to go see the new Top Gun with me? Top Gun colon Maverick. Do I have to wear pants? No. Sweet. All right, we'll talk about it. All right, very good. Wait, wait, when's it coming out? I'm not sure, but it's soon. There was just a new trailer, too. Okay, so it's not like November or December. It's going to be like a, it's a summer blockbuster? I, I think it's soon. It's been delayed a number of times due to the pandemic, but... I think we have a date now and I think it's soon. Yeah. 
Okay, I'm just planning out my pants wearing. Okay, you know, good. If uh, <laughs> if I don't have to wear pants, I'll go to the theater. But uh, you know, if it's coming out in November, I might not be able to get away with shorts. All right. Well, Even, there's a guy that lives down the street with me, street from me that wears shorts all year round to walk his dog. Like he has socks that he pulls up to almost his knees, but that goddamn guy is wearing shorts all <laughs> the time. Well, I can see why you envy him. He's my hero. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll figure that out. Maybe I'll wear pants for the both of us that day. Two pairs of pants. You do it, man. Yeah, yeah. Go for it. All right. Another email coming here now from Christy in North Carolina. Christy writes, I feel so bad for Tommy, Yumiko's brother. These Alexandria imports have ruined his life. He was perfectly happy working in the bakery till his sister and her friends showed up. Now he's back in high stress surgery and stealing hospital supplies for Ezekiel's secret charity clinic. It ain't right. And I kind of agree with Christy. It's too bad. Like he had a nice little content life going and it got all messed up. Yeah, he's 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 fucking it up all himself. Like he had a, he had a patient die on him that morning. So that's probably due to his drinking, I have to assume, uh, or carousing or shaking or, you know, fucking wear a mask. He's doing surgery. He's doing, uh, sure, you're in a barn. Sure, it's, you know, there's poop everywhere, but, you know, yeah. wear a mask. At least. Still. At the very at least. The very, at the very least, you don't want to spit in somebody's wound. Uh, no, that sounds gross and not good. Because a lot of what we say involves spitting i know i know it's gross actually it's amazing that uh we're not all just walking around drenched in saliva all the time we are oh god i don't want to think about it yeah <laughs> I, don't even uh, think about the fact that every time uh, not that we shake a lot of hands lately but uh when you shake somebody's hand there's a better than even chance that they've had a penis in that hand not too recently <laughs> Uh, okay. Now, uh, yeah, I think I'm going to move on to the fist bump for good. Yeah. It doesn't matter who, who it is. Just, you know, there's a good chance that there was, you know, that touched a penis very, very recently. <laughs> Great. That is amazing. <laughs> well, I want to move on from that, but, uh, we can't Jason, because I forgot to tell you as well as this is gone tonight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I insert. It's important to realize we don't get paid for this, right? So it's important. Um, I, I was going to say, I inserted an email here before the call after I sent you the feedback to review. So that screws up the order. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to read the next email and then try to get back on track. Okay. I don't know where we are anyway, so we're all good. All right. So we just did Christy in North Carolina, and now I'm going to read an email from Melissa in Maryland. She says, I'm not sure why everyone is so impressed with Herschel. Literally all he does is scowl at people. I'm a middle school assistant principal, and believe me when I tell you that this is just what kids do, even when they're not getting paid TV dollars. I'm probably biased because I hated Herschel in the comics. Frankly, I'd scowl if Maggie was my mom too. The woman didn't uh, tell him she was leaving Hilltop for a trip, didn't hug him, uh, or even ask him if he was okay after he was captured, and doesn't keep an eye on him at all. Why does no one on this show keep even half an eye on their kids? As we saw from Carl and Lizzie, and sometimes uh, even Judith, kids are constantly causing problems and in general are the worst. <laughs> Someone needs to get on that. <laughs> right. And didn't Daryl just say that he's not going back to uh, the Commonwealth? No, he said that we're not going and that Lance wasn't ordering them to go back yet. So he's... Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Because my, you know, now in 
well, I guess it's wrong, but my mind has been mulling over the fact that he said that, not understanding the context. But uh, doesn't he have two kids back there? You kind of have to go back there, dude. Uh, yeah, you got he, some. You got, you got some parenting to do there. Exactly. At least pick up the goddamn kids that you left there with. Uh, I don't know who. Carol, because Carol dropped them off at school. Remember, so Carol is taking that, uh, looking after them for now. Oh, that's the wrong person to take look after your kids. I mean, it's probably not great, but you know who would have been a, the right she person. She has a track record. Yeah, she does. Uh, Jerry and Nabila, they they seem like kid oh. people. Yeah, okay. They could use, you know, five or six more kids. That's fine. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, anyways, uh, Herschel, yeah, I, I sort of see what Melissa's saying. Like, we haven't really seen the little actor that's uh, playing Herschel shine yet. I think he's been okay, but he does kind of just sit there and scowl. And, you know, that's fine. They, they'll ask him to do something big at some point, I'm sure. Yeah. What, what are you going to do? All right, now it's your turn to introduce the next call. All right, we have a call from Amy. Hey, guys, it's Amy in Virginia calling. I'm sure you're going to get lots of communications about this, but let me be number 3,474 to remind you of the infamous Negan and Alpha sex scene. I'm not quite sure how you could have forgotten that. Try as I might, I cannot forget that. But that's just one of the uh, sex scenes I can remember on The Walking Dead. Love the podcast. Keep it up. Thanks. Bye. Right. So the Negan and, and uh, Alpha yeah. sex scene. I kind of, I mean, the extent of that sex scene, Jason, wasn't it just them standing naked against each other? <laughs> yeah. Well, that. Yeah. How do you do it? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> that makes sense to me. What do you, are you doing it wrong? <laughs> Maybe I'm doing it wrong. I mean, it worked a couple times. I have two kids, yeah. but uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I may have blocked that out or I think it's, I barely think of it as a sex scene, but I, I guess it is. <laughs> yeah, it's a standing there naked scene. It's a standing there naked, pushed up against another person scene, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sounds like sex to me. Fair, fair well, what do I know, really? <laughs> yeah, who knows? Uh, and let's never talk about that again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, now, we've got a few to finish off the night here uh, that aren't super related to this episode but that's okay i want to play them anyways because i think they're interesting and i'm going to play this call from jennifer in minneapolis hi chris hi jason this is jennifer in minneapolis calling i love the scene when daryl sort of like gave uh sebastian the thumbs up like yeah way to go dude and kind of made an, an idiot out of him him in front of his friends but I'm just really feeling like Norman Reedus is showing a little bit too much through the Daryl character. And I love Norman Reedus. I think he's a really great personality. And I love Daryl, the character. But I don't I don't want any Norman in my Daryl. Like, I like my grumpy Daryl. So I kind of feel like he's, like, become a Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. And I don't like that. So I want my grumpy Daryl back. It was bugging me that I feel like that was more Norman than Daryl. Anyway, this is Jennifer. I'm signing off, and I hope to hear from you guys, and thank you for everything that you do. Bye. Thanks, Jennifer. So she's talking about, of course, the police scene from the other episode where he kind of does that little goofy thumbs up to Sebastian and stuff like that, trying to, you know, make him look bad. Yep. And 
I can see what she means. It doesn't really feel like Daryl. It's a little comedic for Daryl. A little more Norman. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's hard. And seeing... I can understand, and this is why I don't... I'm all over the place here, but let me try and gather my thoughts. Uh, I agree that having... Uh, when you're in, invested in a character, having the actor seep into that uh, can be a little bit disconcerting. When you see the... Uh, when you, you know, some the character doesn't really uh, stay, may be maintained, and you can see the actor within there. Yeah. I, even seeing the actor, uh, this is why I don't watch bloopers or uh, outtakes of uh, basically anything. Uh, usually, when I'm invested in a character, if I'm watching a television show or a movie or what have you, and uh, ha- watching a an outtake or a uh, a blooper of that. You see the actor, and I don't want to see the actor. If I want to see the actor, I'll watch, uh, you know, I'll watch an interview with the actor, and even that can be disconcerting. I remember when uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation was on the air, uh, and watching that, and I loved that show, especially the later seasons. And then I remember watching a cast interview at one point, and the cast just kind of collectively made fun of Patrick Stewart. They made a joke about Patrick Stewart, and it was kind of at his expense. It was lighthearted. It was funny. Uh, but my brain was going, that's the fucking captain. You can't say that about the captain. Yeah. Like, it's just that breaks protocol. So it just uh, I can understand that juxtaposition and being uncomfortable with that. Uh, and another one is um, you never watched um, television show about interviewing serial killers. Uh, I don't know. I didn't watch it apparently, so I couldn't. Yeah, tell you. Uh, okay. So it's got uh, it's got the guy. F- Damn it! What is the name of that show? Anatorv. Uh, anyway, one of the actors in it is uh, he is a uh, a song and dance guy. He actually plays Olaf in the uh, the Frozen movies. Okay. Or Kristoff. Kristoff. Sorry. Uh, so and he's a very kind of. Uh, I've seen an interview with him. He's very effervescent, like I, I mentioned that uh, before. He's very outgoing and happy, and he's kind of sing-songy, and he can sing, and uh, he's kind of just the theater guy. Uh, and then he's in this uh, he's in this television show where there are FBI agents that are interviewing serial killers, and he's dark and he's broody, and it's just not the same guy. Is it Josh Gad? Is that is that the guy? Doesn't he play the snowman in Frozen? I don't know. Uh, no, not that guy. Not that it, guy. Okay, that's the yeah, not that guy. He was uh, no, he played the uh, the guy that has the reindeer. Christoph. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I got it. It's been a while. A lot. Yeah. So, um, but he's also in uh, the latest Matrix movie. Uh, I right. don't know if you've seen Matrix, the latest Matrix movie. I have not. But he's he's in that, and he's absolutely not himself in that either. Uh, but it's very much a. Uh, well, I remember seeing him on Jimmy Kimmel or Seth Meyers or whatever the fuck uh, television show he was on. But he was just so different from uh, from that television show that I can't remember, still can't remember the name of. Uh, <laughs> so you just got to pretend that actors don't exist and that they're only characters. Yeah, it, it's it's tough seeing. I guess I I'm absolutely agreeing with you, Jennifer, in that uh, seeing an actor seep through a character uh, can be 
discon- disconcerting. Yeah. I don't, I don't, you know, you got some, you got chocolate in my peanut butter. So no, you got peanut butter in my chocolate. Mm-hmm. I don't want the two to mix. I don't want those two things together. I want Daryl Dixon and I want Norman Reedus. I like them both, but fucking don't put them in the same shot. Are no. you trying to kill me? <laughs> it's, it's not what you want. Definitely not what yeah. you want. All right. I also want to mention though, that Jennifer sent another message about this week's episode, but the recording quality was really bad. I'm sorry, Jen. So um, uh, I didn't play it. But what she was saying in that message is that it was just related to Lance. And if, if he's such a gearhead, uh, she noticed that when he was in the truck, he was trying to start it and he was pumping the gas when there was even no turnover from the battery or anything, which just doesn't make any sense and seems silly. So uh, Lance, if he's such a gearhead, he doesn't even know anything about that kind of thing. And um, it was weird. And I think I agree. But then at the same time, I'm like you. I open the hood of my car and be like, that's an engine. So probably. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, so I, it didn't jump out at me, but it does kind of make sense. All right. Uh, let's see. We've got, what do we have here? One more? We got, um, yeah, Shane. Mind Hunter. Mind Hunter. Mind oh, Hunter. Mind Hunter. All right, good. One more email here before we finish the night. I've got Shane in the UK, and Shane writes My fiance and I were watching The Walking Dead, and he asked if the Rick movies were ever going to happen. It got us talking, and we would both be okay with a maybe a two part animated episode in uh, Tales of the Walking Dead set to the comic book art style. And if the actors are not available, having voice actors take their places to finish their story. Would either of you chaps be okay with that? Or are you steadfast that their story has to be finished in live action? So this is not related to anything uh, other than sort of the question of animated Walking Dead, Jason. How would you feel about that? I would, I don't think I feel good about that. Really? I'm, I'm, I'm not entirely sure why that is. Uh, maybe it's just has to do with my track record. Like I know there are comic book um, things that uh, expand on universes and or complete storylines or, uh, you know, something that was cut short. You know, it's like, oh, they uh, they 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 expanded that in the, in the comics. Right. So they uh, they have a television show or what have you that ends prematurely. Yeah. Uh, and then it just continues on in comic book form. And I know that I will not read those comic books. I just it's just the way it is. It's not because I made a choice. It's not because I don't like them. It's just not something that I will do. Right. Like I know there are a bunch of Matrix movies. I also know there's a bunch of Animatrix movies and I know that there's a tie in between the two. And that the Animatrix movie or Animatrix thing is something that is worth watching. I have not watched them. I probably won't watch them. I don't know why. It's just because so, it's just not your thing. It's just not my thing. So if they did that with uh, The Walking Dead, you know, go ahead. But whatever you put on screen in live action is what I'm going to see. So, you know, at least try and tie it up there yeah. if you can. I, I kind of agree with you, but I also think that there's potential for animated Walking Dead. Like, I think that could be kind of cool. Maybe it's something all new, you know, and it's not uh, it's not finishing Rick's story. 
uh, because they couldn't get the movies made or they couldn't bring them back onto the show or whatever, you know, so they, they resort to using animation. I'm not saying it would be bad. It might be really, really good, but it, it kind of feels like they do that if they have no other option. Uh, in, when it comes to Rick, if they want to just make something entirely new in the walking dead universe or, and put it on tales of the walking dead or even a whole other show, uh, you know, that might not be so bad. And I think it could actually be kind of cool. And like Shane says, uh, in the style of the comic may or may not work. Like this is what they've done with invincible, right? The other Kirkman, uh, comic, they've made an invincible TV show that's animated very much in the style of the art style of the comic. And that's right. pretty good. So, um, we have that to go on. So maybe the walking dead could be good too. It would have to be huh? black and white though. I don't see why not. Yeah, I think it'd be cool. All right, get her done. Get her done. All right. That is a ton of feedback, everyone. Lots and lots this week. So much good stuff. Thank you to everyone who wrote or called in. Um, but that's all of it. And uh, here we are. One more episode to go before the second mid-season finale of season 11. Uh, I've been really anxious to watch episode 16, which has been out for five days now or whatever on AMC plus. So now that we're done this, Jason, I can finally do that and, uh, get, get going on it. So I'm excited, but, um, Phew. yeah, I know. I'm sure you're delighted to hear that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, I probably won't. I mean, I, I guess I could, Yeah. but, uh, I, I typically don't. I wait until it comes out on iTunes and then, uh, uh, download it on my legacy iTunes application uh -huh. and then uh, get frustratingly angry at my computer because iTunes sucks. Yeah. And uh, it, it just, it will play for a while. Just if I may, I go on a tangent here, <clears throat> it'll play for a while and then uh, it'll start to jitter a little bit. And then basically I'll get a slideshow. Like it just goes from uh, keyframe to keyframe. That's garbage. But every like three or four seconds, it'll change frames. Yeah. So it's not even keyframes because I know they have multiple of those per second. Mm -hmm. But uh, it just it's basically a slideshow with audio. And I'm like, oh, and I can't just stop the video and restart it. I have to shut down iTunes. Yeah. And I have to restart iTunes and I have to launch the thing. And then when I launch the thing. I can't control the thing until I click away somewhere else and then click back on the video and then I can uh, – it's so annoying. I don't know why I put myself through this. Yeah. I really don't and I don't want to do it anymore. There are better ways. There are better ways. But you're stuck in your ways I guess so. <laughs> uh, you'd think I'd move on. There's I could watch it on my iPad if I took uh, – you know, because I can stream it on the iPad on iTunes Plus, right, because it's there. I own it. I can stream it. My iPad's on a stand that is, uh, uh, what, 15 degrees away from my monitor? I can turn my head 15 degrees and watch the whole goddamn thing on my iPad. <laughs> no problem. Uh, without any issues whatsoever. <laughs> but I still put myself through this. I uh, uh, feel my pain. Feel right. my feel my uh, my privileged, entitled pain. Well, you know what, man? Put yourself through the pain for one more episode, and then you've got a number of months to figure out a better solution. Yeah, that just puts off figuring it out until it comes up again. That's right. the thing is that every Monday I'm like, oh, shit, I got to watch the episode. What am I going to do? Yeah. 
Okay. My well, iPad's upstairs. You know, I forgot to bring my iPad down. I got to watch it, and I ain't climbing those goddamn stairs just to get a iPad. All right. Well, that is too much trouble. I hear you. Anyways, the next episode, it's number 16. It's called Acts of God. So uh, if you want to get that title read in, which I think is a good one to do, I think people can have fun with Acts of God. Uh, get that into us before next Monday when we record, and I'll try to play them on the show. And before we wrap up, I just want to remind everyone that's one more episode for our Patreon prize of Palooza before we go on hiatus. And the prize for episode 16 is a 164th scale die cast replica of Dale's RV. So we're going back in time here a bit, way back to season two with Dale and his RV. So a cool little replica of that. That's small, isn't it? Like it's smaller than a Hot Wheels, 164th? No, no it's way bigger than a Hot Wheels. It's, it's bigger like, than a Hot Wheels? It's like six inches long, four inches tall, something like that. Oh, son of a bag. My sense of scale scale is off. Your scale scale is all <laughs> over the scale. <laughs> it's all it's all out of whack. I'm going to have to reset my sense of scale. All right. Well, scale. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. It's a cool little thing. So if you want to get in on the possibility of winning that go to patreon.com slash the talking dead become a patron of the show and uh we randomly choose one of our patrons every week for one of these prizes and this is the last one for a while so uh yeah that's exciting all righty that's going to do it for us here uh tonight if you would like to get in touch with us visit talkingdeadpodcast.com and click on send voicemail at the top a message and it'll come right into us you can also send email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com or find us on twitter at talking dead uh i try to respond on twitter as much as i can so except on sunday nights when amc's talking dead show is on then lots of tweets come to us that i know aren't for us so that's a bad time to tweet us sunday nights do they call it the tweedleverse no i don't think so they should somehow you know maybe you know being able to tweet multiple locations and call it the Tweedleverse. Well, I mean, let Elon Musk know. He owns a big chunk of Twitter now, so he has some influence. Uh, yeah, because I have influence over Elon Musk. Of That's course. right. I'll just I'll just give him a call. Give him a call up. Yeah, why not? Tell him he's doing great things with cars and Twitter. I don't know. And ask him to reinvent iTunes for me because I'm, I'm struggling and I need some help. <laughs> yeah, I'm not need sure. need some tech help. Not sure even he could do that. Uh, <laughs> Anyways, those are the way to get in touch with us. Um, thank you so much for tuning in, everyone. Until we come back next Monday for the mid-season finale, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao. Ciao.